space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat-trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat-trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're on the angle. And what a goal! What a goal! Hello, everyone. This is Rev Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast, from the touchline. This past summer, the church where my family and I attend went through the book of Ecclesiastes. It was a timely study, and I was encouraged as week after week, the different pastors would handle the text in a great way for people to understand the difficult times we're living in. Ecclesiastes follows on from the book of Proverbs in the Bible, and it's part of the wisdom literature genre that's found in the Old Testament. The author is the famed King Solomon, known to be the wisest man to have ever lived. You see, God offered him a choice between wealth and fame or having wisdom. And as a young man, as a young ruler, he chose wisdom. And so, God gave him wealth and fame as well. Well, Solomon, as he writes Ecclesiastes, it's almost as if it's the final chapter. It's the final book in his life. It's, it's like a summary of his life experience. And He's kind of reviewing everything that he's learned and everything that he's studied. And so many things come in this wisdom at the late stage of his life. And he puts all these observations into this poetic, wisdom-lit fashion right here in Ecclesiastes. Now, if you and I were to sit down and read through the book, it wouldn't take too long. It's about 12 chapters. might take an hour to read. You might want to go a little bit slower if you were trying to comprehend some of the profound things that Solomon, known as the teacher, is saying. But in the course of this short book, Solomon curiously uses this Hebrew word, havel, some 38 times. And this is massive. This word only occurs 73 times in the rest of the Jewish scriptures. So more than half of the use of the word show up right here in Ecclesiastes. The word havel means breath or vapor. Maybe think about upcoming fall or winter. You know the times when you're outside and and you ex- exhale and you can see your breath. That's Havel. That little bit of mist or vapor that you see is, is what this word is about. Havel is a word that's used to illustrate and describe things that are useless or worthless, things that are futile or fleeting. It's translated mo- most often in Ecclesiastes as vanity, and sometimes there's an emphatic, emphatic vanity of vanities, like some ancient curse word muttered under the breath. Well, I like to mainly read from the NIV translation, and the translators update vanity into a word we use more today, the word meaningless. Listen to the opening statement from Solomon, the teacher, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Well, of the 38 times that Solomon uses the word, he just used it four times in the first few sentences here. And the further we go into reading Ecclesiastes, the more we might become depressed because here's the wisest man to ever walk the earth, and he's, he's got wealth and fame and everything else too that goes with it. And he's seemingly just saying that life and work and, and wealth and play and pleasure and, and everything else in this life is just 
meaningless. It's worthless. And as if to emphasize this point, Solomon oftentimes throughout the book will add imagery to it. Like in some places he says, it's meaningless, like a chasing after the wind. He's just showing that there's this pointlessness to it. You know, just because like wind, you can never capture it. You can't even see it. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And so Solomon attaches all these things in this description and these words into describing life. Well, I was reflecting on this a little further this past week as I was watching my girls play a game with our dog, Toby. Now, if you're able, maybe you can get a glance at Toby in the picture that I put up on this week's edition of the podcast. I don't know if you can make it out. Depends on the size of the picture. But Toby is trying to catch bubbles that my daughters have blown his way. You see, he loves to go out in the yard and chase bugs, and and, and he eats almost everything. I don't know why. But he comes up empty all the time when he tries to catch these bubbles. And he just, he, he'll sit there for time after time and just, he keeps chasing it. And it's, it's something that he goes after. It reminded me of a story of a, a number of years ago. I was serving, I've been serving as a chaplain for the Rapids for a few years. And I was visiting one of our star players at his flat in Denver. The mantel shelf above the fireplace had a championship ring and other awards and accolades that he had garnered throughout his career. And I remember I was looking at the ring sort of admiringly and curious. I hadn't been that close to a championship ring. And he coyly said, you want it? You can have it. It's worthless. That struck me for a minute. It's worthless. And as I listened to him talk as he went on, He went on to describe how much work and effort had gone into winning the championship and and striving to achieve this this ultimate thing. And that when he had it, when he grasped it, there was just this empty feeling inside. I thought, here's a man who's reached the pinnacle of success in his world, in, in his sport. And in his final analysis, Havel. Havel. He felt the futility of it all. Well, my star athlete friend was actually closing in on something that wise King Solomon had discovered thousands of years earlier, that there is nothing in this life that has meaning apart from God. Let me say that again. There is nothing in this life that has meaning apart from God. And that's the point that we get into in the book of Ecclesiastes. Whether one is wealthy or one is poor, it's meaningless without God. Whether one accomplishes a great work and transforms humanity, or whether one's inherently lazy, it doesn't really matter. It's all meaningless without God. It doesn't matter how much education or wisdom or knowledge or fame one does or does not have. Without God in your life, it's ultimately meaningless. And Solomon writes these words of wisdom as a warning, because now at the end of life, he understands what he has missed. He understands now that he has lived most of his life without God in it. You know, for all his wisdom, for all his wealth and fame, Solomon understands that he's grown further and further apart from God. And and as he went down the road of, of exploring and understanding great things in the world and, and, and being one of the wisest men to ever walk this earth, 
that wisdom became folly because he left God behind. He left God on the sidelines. He left God on the touchline. And in the end, he sees the folly of it. And so Solomon closes the book of Ecclesiastes with these words. Now all has been heard. Here is a conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Fear God. You know, that idea of fearing God is is not about being afraid of God. It's about respecting God, honoring Him, making Him part of, of our lives. It's about not neglecting or ignoring Him. It's about realizing that God is the one who gives us everything that we have, and He keeps us from the things that we don't. And that second part to it is, and keep His commandments. The teacher is understanding now why God has put his commands into place. God's commands are there to preserve and protect life, to, to help us with flourishing, to help us with thriving and, and living into the, the fullest expression of who we are. And it, it is the whole of a person. It's the call on our life. It's our duty to really, to really relearn what it is to walk with God, to recapture what, what Adam once had with God back in the garden. That's the whole of our existence. A Welsh poem reads this way. God shall not refuse or reject whoever strives to praise him at the beginning and end of the day. My friend, it's the whole of our duty to fear God and keep his commands. And it's not a stodgy, stuffy thing. The Westminster Catechism, one of the great catechisms of the Christian faith, starts out with the question, what is the chief end of man? To which the learned response is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. If we do not glorify God, if we do not respect him, if we shut him out of our life and we refuse to obey and follow him and walk with him, we will never enjoy his presence. We will really never enjoy life. And our sense of Havel will only grow more and more like a bitter root in our heart, mind, and soul. Friend, don't let life become Havel. Don't let your life become a meaningless chasing after the wind or an attempt to eat bubbles out of the air. I want to close with an adapted prayer from Psalm 90. Teach us, dear Lord, to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days not knowing one of them as Havel. And let the beauty and favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. Well, may the Lord God keep you from Havel as you love him and walk with him. This is Rev. Brad coming to you from the Touchline.